My name's Obi Diaz, and y'all know that it is an absolute pleasure to be a part of the Better Man 365 brand and to be the host of the podcast. I mean, of course, the events are really awesome, but the events only happen so many times a year, right? This podcast, we love it when you hit that subscribe button because we try at best every couple months to go ahead and try to fill you up with tons of really great episodes. And you need that along life, right? You need these little nutrients, these little stop-ins, these little check-ins along the way to see how other men are doing it because life is hard and you need to know those ups and downs that other champions are doing. So today, let's get to that champion. I've got the pleasure of talking to Justin Bat, who I've got on the line right now. Justin, what a champion, man. You wear a lot of hats, everything from entrepreneur to husband to father and specifically this book, this Daddy Saturday when we saw this, when this came out, we saw this, and uh, we knew that we just had to have our hands on you. So, Justin Bat, thank you for making time for us here. Oh, my goodness. My pleasure. It's so exciting to be on the Better Man 365 podcast and to be involved with the organization and excited for our conversation today. Okay, so, so what is it that you do today? Because there are a lot of things that you have done, and we'll get to that. There are a lot of things that you probably want to accomplish, and we'll get to those. But who are you today? Well, I think first and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm doing my best to emulate his ways as a husband of almost 18 years and a father of four incredible kids, which I'll get to in a minute, and I'm one of the very fortunate people who have a day job and a dream job, if you will. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a publisher in my day job and get to work with incredible people from celebrities to athletes to entrepreneurs, business leaders, and everyday people who are looking to tell their stories through a book and people like John Maxwell and other great leaders uh, that I get to work with on a daily basis. So it's absolutely incredible. And then in my dream job, if you will, I have a nonprofit ministry and a for-profit business focused on fatherhood called Daddy Saturday. And it's really designed to help engage dads who are in the home to be active and present and intentional with their kids, but also to end the epidemic of fatherlessness in our world. We're an wow. international organization. And a lot of that is manifested in my own backyard in our home. We live in a farm outside of Nashville, and we have a, a retreat property we, we have and an Airbnb on our property. It's called True South Farm, and we've got about 15 Highland cows. So I can also say I'm a farmer. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I've, I've got all this written down because I want to dive deep into it. Everything from the breed of cows that you have, the Airbnb, uh, and again, you said nonprofit and a for-profit because... I, I think it's I think it's fair to say, and I'm glad that you brought it up because I think a lot of times people say, oh, well, if I'm going to do ministry, everything's got to be nonprofit and it's got to be a certain way and it's got to look a certain way. But here you are, man, you're you're kicking butt on multiple levels and multiple spectrums. So I, I can't wait to dig in. Let's do it. Okay. So, so where did this come from? Like, where did this, pa because to, to do everything that you just mentioned, it takes a certain type of passion. It takes a certain type of character. Where did, where did this come from? Like, what kind of kid were you growing up? What were your parents like? 
Well, I grew up in Northwest Ohio in a small town called Bryan. It was the home of the Etch-A-Sketch and the Dumb Dumb Sucker, two things almost everybody knows. <laughs> and I was I grew up in the church and had you know, two very involved parents. My dad was a plant manager. Mom was a nurse. And I have a younger sister. Grew up in a stereotypical kind of middle-class home and found myself with a love for sports, played football in my early career and was prepared to go play college football, was injured my senior year, first day of hitting practice, lacerated my kidney. Wow. And was life lighted and it was a, a big part of my testimony. I was saved when I was eleven, but I feel like I really grew my relationship with the Lord through that experience. Kinda of made a deal with God, which you know you gotta be careful doing. And my deal as a seventeen year old was, God, let me come back and play the rest of my senior season. You know, I'd worked so hard for it, it'd been my goal. And uh, he did. And I played the last five games of my senior year, but he redirected my life after that and said, well, the deal was you play football, but uh, you're going to give the rest of your life to me. And I went to Clemson and the Carolinas and was ready to walk onto the football team and just felt this huge pull that I wasn't supposed to go. And I remember just shutting my dorm room door and crying and throwing my cleats on the ground and just said, all right, that's it. And God had other plans for me. So I began to do everything else in school, was very involved in leadership and organizations, and then met my wife, Heather, while we were at Clemson, and married the homecoming queen, and yeah. she still looks like a homecoming queen today, 20-some <laughs> you know, awesome. years later now, and, and then after school, was one of the very fortunate people to um, get a job in pharmaceutical sales right out of school, and, and worked for, for Pfizer, and while I was a pharmaceutical rep and moving up quickly in my career, Heather was a teacher. And as a teacher, I just found that it was a big commitment and wasn't something she was called to long term. So I encouraged her to start a business. And she came back to me and said, well, I've got babies or bridal. And I said, hey, I love it. You have birth, you have death, and you get married in between. <laughs> and so she landed on bridal and started Hayden Olivia Bridal, which was named after our daughter who was born at the same time the store was opening. And I found myself uh, at home with a, a daughter at that time, all day on Saturdays when my wife worked her business, being in retail. And then fast forward, adding three more boys to the mix. I was at home all day on Saturdays with all four of our kids. And that's what really started um, Daddy Saturday early on, which my kids affectionately named it. And how, so, okay, wow, there's so much to unpack there. Everything from you supporting your wife, because I, I think that's a big deal. Uh, you know, pharmaceutical sales, you were doing that, and then you supported your wife because teaching, to me, that would seem like, honey, why don't you stay in that? Like, that's such a promising career. But the fact that you were able to kind of help guide her, not even guide her, but just kind of be a, a, a helper to her. I know that God makes them to be our helper, but you were a helper to her to help her realize her dreams. I think that's big. Well, I think if you look at Proverbs 31 and the description of what a wife of noble character is, you look at the modern translation, which I've done many times, right? She she gets up early in the morning and yeah. she provides for her family. Business woman too. Stay at home mom qualities, right? She makes things, she sews, she takes them down to the market and sells them for a profit. Um, so my wife, being in bridal, right? She's a seam, she sews or is a seamstress or is involved in that, and you know she also buys real estate, and sells it for a profit, and we've done that through our marriage as well. And so she contributes to the family, and I think that's an important piece for men to realize. I mean, oftentimes my wife jokes and says she got her MRS degree in college and was looking to marry a Christian husband. She found me, but I turned around and got my MR degree 
by marrying a wife who also <laughs> wanted to contribute to the family. And I believe that, you know, we work really well shoulder to shoulder together, but then, you know, have that face to face as well, um, where we're engaged in a, in a marriage relationship, a shoulder to shoulder providing financially for our family and making impact in the marketplace of the kingdom. Wow, man. I love that. I want to take a pause real quick just because you you did something that often I, I like to point out to people. You know, there's often times where we're like, oh, you know, you want the word written in your heart. You want God's word. You want his promises. You know, you want them stored up in your heart. And I want to point out the reason why you want to do this is because when I, when I brought up him supporting his wife and he brought up Proverbs 31, that is a rich, rich theology there that is so beautiful about women, what the Bible says a woman should do. And it's everything from what you said, from buying real estate to making businesses to, so what we would equate, you know, taking care of the kids, taking care of the home. I mean, it's all that and some. So I I just wanted to point that out because memorizing Bible scripture, that's what happens. That's the beauty is that at the right moment, boom, the wisdom comes out of your mouth and it's beautiful for everyone who's listening. So thank you for for that. Okay, so wife is doing the business thing. You're now on Saturdays with the kids. This is where Daddy Saturday is born. So this is just an idea. Did you think, man, I should do a book? I should do a pro? Like, what were your first thoughts when you were like, I'm a dad on Saturdays with my kids? Well, in all honesty, I was I was a, a corporate dad at that time. So I was traveling a ton and I would get home on Thursday or Friday, just exhausted from the week of work. And- wow. And was engaged with my kids during the week. But, you know, when you're traveling, that's also makes that difficult. And oftentimes I'd come home and have uh, a couple of drinks on Friday night just to calm my nerves or relax and then get up Friday or Saturday mornings and what I call the dad hangover. Where I'm like, all right, I got these kids for eight or 10 hours. I love my kids. I want to have fun with them and be involved and, and you know, create memories together. But, like, what do I do? And I was loafing my way into a Saturday. And God just hit me over the head one Saturday. He's like, Justin, I've given you this time with your kids. Is this going to be a blessing or a burden, an inconvenience or an assignment? Wow. And at that moment, it really was like the, the principle of Nehemiah, right, where I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And I realized that I was letting the world and my career and other things distract me from my core purpose, which is being an intentional and an engaged dad to my kids. And I'm so grateful to the Lord for that awakening so early on in my, my role as a father, because at this point, I've had over 15,000 hours of intentional time with my kids on Saturdays and over a decade of pretty much every Saturday with those kids when my wife worked at her bridal store and, you know, created epic memories through that process. So we started just having fun in our backyard, having fun in our community. I'd plan the day. I'd go on YouTube. I did what I call R&D, which is rip off and deploy other great ideas, you know, do perfect or the other fun things that were kind of on YouTube, the ice bucket challenge or the slime challenge or what have you. And we'd replicate those in our backyard and then try and make them epic and teach our, my kids principles and lessons. And pretty soon it started to catch on and other kids in the community were getting involved and other fathers. And my kids won Wednesday. They looked forward to that day with dad and they called it Daddy Saturday. And I said, that's it, guys. We're naming this. We're claiming it. That's what it is. And then fast forward, a couple of years later, I was in publishing. I transitioned out of pharmaceuticals and was working and doing a lot of speaking professionally. One of my colleagues came up and said, Justin, you're a phenomenal speaker, but you know, I can tell how passionate you are about this fatherhood thing. You should do a TED Talk on fatherhood and apply for that. And so I did, and I was accepted to do a TEDx, and I did it on fatherhood and fatherlessness and the epidemic in our country and the solution that I had, which was Daddy Saturday. And um, that TED Talk just ripped my heart out, and I knew that the Lord was calling me to 
make an impact in fatherhood, not just on the dads who are in the home and physically present, but emotionally absent, but also these kids who are fatherless and don't have a father figure in the home. Wow. Uh, first of all, uh, pretty admirable because the flag that you're waving is is one that desperately needs to be waved. But uh, what a task at hand, too. Uh, as I, too, as a, uh, you know, as a father of four, I'm thinking about like, uh, you know, what kind of questions do I ask you then? Because I, too, am a dad. And I think about my Saturday mornings and what you said, you know, is it a blessing or is it a burden? That really struck my heart because a lot of times, to your point, us dads, we could pack our schedules so so heavy uh, that they do seem like a burden. Not not that you don't love your kids, but just the the idea of having to manage another group of individuals that that are oftentimes you know driving you crazy. Uh, that's a big deal. So so what would you say? You say intentionality. So what does that mean for a guy like me, a guy who's listening right now, uh, a, even a, a wife who's accidentally tripped over this podcast and said, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, I want to hear what he has to say about that. What do you mean by being intentional and what does that look like? Well, it's a great question. And to me, what intentionality looks like is this concept that uh, far more is caught than taught. So I believe it first starts with the way you live your life, the example that you set. I mean, Jesus was the ultimate example and we're called to follow him. And so as a father, as a mother, as a leader, um, you know, we're called to model that. And so modeling it for our kids is where it starts, right? The way we use technology, the way that we take care of our, our physical bodies and our, what we eat and what we consume. And, you know, all those things are vastly important. The way we worship and, you know, time we spend with the Lord, all those things are paramount. And, you know, beyond that, then it becomes to how do you then engage your kids? And you know, the, the concept of intentionality that, that I've really found is that it's four things. It doesn't have to be expensive, extraordinary, extravagant to be epic. It just has to be intentional. And what that means is that you have to put it on paper on purpose. So I put my, my time with my kids on my calendar, just like their business meetings, just like they're part of my, my daily you know, scout, calendar and routine. And we use times like in the car, instead of that just being nebulous time where you're not doing anything, I'll engage my kids in conversation. We'll play a game. We'll, we'll play the would you rather game. We'll have dialogue. We'll listen to some fun music and, and you know, have conversation around it. Uh, we use times like that where you're in the car. We do a hill walk um, every morning pretty much. On Wednesdays, we call it heavy day, hump day. And my kids carry sandbags, and I carry a 100-pound sandbag over my back. We walk up and down this hill because they do something hard at the beginning of the day knowing that if they conquer that beginning of their day, no matter what comes against them, they can conquer that too, because it's the principle of David, right? When Saul said, Hey, you're a, a kid. How are you going to kill this giant? My whole army won't go against this guy. And David's like, dude, go check out my tent. I got lions, manes, and bear claws in there. And if God's <laughs> me through that, he's going to bring me through this. And so I, I emulate that with my kids on that hill walk is that, Hey, they're doing something hard. They're building a little lion's mane and a little bear claw on their tent every single day. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that, that in, to me, are in, about intentionality. It's using something that can be as simple as taking a walk around the school with your kids and having a conversation before they walk in during the day. Oh, wow. It's a small moment to create that space or that margin to build the relationship. That's what intentional means to me. It's all about action. It's all about preparation. And then it's all about implementation. 
Man, Justin, I just want to say thank you to you right now at this moment because uh, you're even inspiring me. You know, uh, I, I love my kids and uh, right now you're you're kind of giving me some really great ideas because immediately when I think, okay, I've got to entertain my kids. And, and it's funny because that that's the phrase that comes to my head is how do I entertain my kids as if I, you know, have to just keep them from being bored. And you said it doesn't have to cost a lot of money and it doesn't have to be something outlandish or extravagant. Uh, but you did say put it, get it down on paper. And I think that that's important too, because I think when the kids see that, wow, dad's slicing time out for us and he does this on the regular, uh, man, that's so valuable to a kid. You, you don't think about it until you're an adult. Um, and I, and, and so can I ask you this because your kids, your kids are a little bit, so your oldest is how old? So my daughter Hayden Olivia is 15. And then the three boys are Blaine is 13, Mason's about to be 11, and Ethan's about to be 9. Oh, my God. This is beautiful. Have you had to deal with the eye rolls, the huffs and puffs, uh, especially when it comes to uh, digital uh, entertainment? Uh, how do you deal with that with those moments? I, I feel like that's where I'm losing in the house is how do I deal with when they want to do those things that pull us further apart? That's a great question, and uh, there's two things. So one, we just have as part of our core mission statement in our home, which I think, one, that's really important. So, you know, it's hard in the moment to offer discipline or correction or direction if, one, go back to far more is caught than taught, right? So if you're not doing it, then how can you expect them to do it? You know, if your room's a mess and you're not making your own bed, how do you expect your kids to do it? So I think modeling it first and foremost. But then beyond that, the second piece is, around this concept of you know, building that relationship. So when you draw close to your kids, then they will draw closer to you and you're able to speak more into their lives, not just as a father figure, but also as you know, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through you. And you know, in those moments where I offer discipline and correction, my kids now have gone from just the, like the no mode of teaching, to now it's more of the coaching model as they've gotten a bit older and there's the why behind it. And so, I think explaining that why is also critical. An example in our house with technology, you know, part of our core mission statement is our kids do vision boards and they've laid that out at the beginning of the year. And it's there around faith, around family goals, fitness, finances, and then fun, which includes travel, you know, big ambitions. And so when I have those conversations around technology in our home, it's earned, not given. We don't do technology during the week outside of what they need for school. And then beyond that, um, in the weekends, they can earn the use of technology, but they have to read, they have to work out, they have to help around the house, get their stuff done, and then they can earn that right to be on it. And, you know, at first, we got a lot of eye rolls and a lot of pushback, <laughs> but over time, they start to understand that, and it's just taking it off the table, because what drove us nuts as two busy, active parents, like, sounds like you are, and many others probably listening are, was the, can I be on my device? Can I use my phone? Can I be on my iPad? Can I watch TV? Can I watch a movie? Or then you just catch them doing it constantly and you have to say, get off of that. Stop. You're not supposed to be on that right now. I mean, it was driving me bananas. And so by just implementing that rule of earned, not given, it provided an incentive around it. And you have to earn the right to use technology. It's not an entitlement. The second piece of that was around helping them become content producers Ooh. instead of just consumers or creators is another way if you want to use the C. Yeah, yeah. So help them become creators, not just consumers. And so our daughter, 15 years old, has her own business. It's called Cowgirl Social. It's an online boutique for Western wear, Western themed clothing, and like fun party dresses. And the whole premise is to help girls identify their worth beyond what the world tells them. 
And she uses her little platform to do that. So 15 entrepreneur using Shopify, making some money, learning all the skills. Well, she's on Instagram. She's using social media. She's on the web. But, you know, most of that, not all, of course, she's a kid. But a lot of that is for her business. And she's using it to create, not just consume. Wow. You know, Justin, I'm going to have to be bold enough to say uh, we, we're going to have to do a completely different podcast on just parenting because, because there's still so much to dive into and I've got so many questions and I, and I have to realize that we still, you know, you've got the farm still and there's still a lot to talk about. So, so I, I really appreciate this advice on parenting. I know that there's a lot of parents that in this day and age, it's really hard as to, um, you know, I'm skating around certain sensitivities. Um, you know, of course their friends feel certain ways about, about the way that they feel. And, and, you know, I preach to my kids, I'm like, well, everybody can have a certain feeling, but, but we, we follow what Jesus does, whatever that scripture says that, that, that's what this family does. Um, and it's so weird because more than ever, you have people now who challenge, you know, I'm saying kids within kids that they challenge each other. And it sends my kids home with questions of dad, should I love on this person? Uh, what about this person? I really like them, but but they don't know what they are. And so, so, so many different questions that I'm like, okay, so how do I navigate as a parent who shows love? You do everything with love. If not with love, why do it at all? So I, uh, I appreciate it. And I do want to do a completely separate podcast on just parenting. But yeah, so, okay, so your kid's uh, oldest 15. Uh, so you don't have any drivers on your hand. What, what's, so the one that's doing, and that's your oldest daughter. That's already on, she's an entrepreneur herself with this, uh, with this cow line. Yeah, she is. And then, you know, the boys are starting their little things too. And, you know, of course it's, they're doing more like the yard work and landscaping and driving the, the, the farm equipment and helping with the cows, but you know, they're building their own businesses as well. And, uh, my son Blaine right now and my youngest Easton are out there building a, a a bed swing. They got the plans and they're putting it together. And I can't. I'm I'm no chip gains. I'm good at demo. That's about it. <laughs> my son Blaine, he's like an engineer. He's so gifted wow. and talented. And I, I'm coming to him for advice on how to put things together or talking about engines. And I just never had exposure to that. And we'll get into a really important concept around parenting. Like before we jump off this subject around yeah, this, sure, sure. this is something like your your audience has to hear this because this is life changing. And that is as part of Daddy Saturday, it's not just about Saturdays, clearly. I think you understand that. It's about, you know, being intentional all the time. It's a mindset, it's a method of parenting where you're intentional. It can be fifteen minutes a day, right? But I'd rather see you be fifteen minutes of full engagement, all on presence with your kids, even if it's reading them a story at night or praying with them, than, you know, not at all and, and being distracted. And within that, um, part of that is, like I mentioned, I'm not handy. And so my kids ask me to build these obstacle courses and do all these things all the time for Daddy Saturday. And I'm just like not capable. I've tried and they fall apart and I get hurt or whatever ends up happening. <laughs> and so for me, it's about surrounding my kids with other guides who can help them see and foster and grow in areas or give them experiences that I can't offer them because I'm not competent or capable in those areas. And so Whoa. many dads have pride or ego that prevents them from opening up their kids to these opportunities because they want to be at all. And I get that to an extent, but it's right. not about being your kid's hero. Jesus is their hero. They need to become their own hero in that context, but surround them with guides and be their guide instead. Because when that happens, you also get to zoom out and watch your kids in those moments, watch another man, help them learn how to go deep sea fishing or you know, do construction or work on an engine or whatever it is. My kids have had some of the coolest experiences in the world because I've been willing to drop my guard 
and let other men come into their lives and teach them something. And then guess what? I often get to reciprocate that for those other men and their kids as well. And it's a really wow. cool process. And then finally, when you do that, it also cements yourself as that guide. Because when your kids get older, and this is a huge issue for a lot of parents or grandparents, is you know parenting adult children. Well, part of that's because they've always tried to be the hero. When your kids get older, they don't need a hero anymore. They need a guide. They need a wise sage around you know big life events, big faith issues. And at that point, if you position yourself naturally there, then you'll be that when they get to that stage of life. Yeah, what a sweet nugget. I, I love how you say a, a sage, you know, like uh, it, instead of just being this dad who uh, has always dele- delegated orders and everything like that, like now it's it's this dad who is a life guide. And uh, I really lo- I really love that picture painted because as you were talking, I was like, okay, so, so you know, naturally what I do on the podcast is, is whenever, because I'm, I'm listening to you and so I'm learning as well. And I'm like, wow, Obi, so how many people have you had walk into your life, you know, that have been a guide along the way? And because your dad wasn't some, no, 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 we do it this way. Uh, my dad was like that too. Justin, I, th- I think that's huge, man. I'm glad that you, uh, that you decided to drop that solid nugget because it is true. Don't a lot of us guys, we feel like we have to be the it for our kids. And uh, gosh, even as I study my own life right now, I'm like, kids, I, I, I hope you do it better. So, um, man, what a sweet nugget. Thank you for that. So, uh, so let's, so let's talk about, uh, how did you, how did you even get into farming? So you, you do daddy Saturdays. Where, where did the farm even pop up? Oh my goodness. So we lived in Charleston, South Carolina for about six and a half years. And right during COVID, we felt this call to, to move and to be on space and to raise our kids in a different way. We love Charleston. We love the beach. We surfed all the time. And I even got sent off with a stingray sting on my last surfing trip in my foot moving up to Nashville. And I had a friend who um, invited us to, invited me to officiate their wedding during COVID because the, the size of the church got scaled down. The pastor had to say no. And so I said, yes, got it ordained online. And my whole family and I went up to Nashville and officiated this wedding. And while we were there, my wife found this house. And it was this incredible property. We just walked on it and just prayed over it. And it felt like it was God saying, this is where you're supposed to be. So we said, okay. And sold our home in Charleston and moved to Nashville. The property had a bunch of um, horse fencing or you know pasture land already there. We named it True South Farm after a vision God had given me earlier around Ezekiel 47, which was the water flowing out of the south side of the temple and the Dead Sea and bringing it back to life, revitalization, restoration, redemption, reconciliation. So what we did there on that property. We revitalized the whole thing, redeemed it. And, you know, now people hold weddings there and we have um, events there and do fatherless retreats and all sorts of amazing things. And I saw Chip Gaines, going back to Chip, and he had a picture of a Highland cow with a baby and it said new life on the farm. And I'm like, that's awesome. I want one of those. And I said <laughs> my wife, and she's like, no, absolutely not. And so we saw this store in Nashville. and had this really cool painting, black and white painting of a Highland cow. And I said, well, fine, until we can get the real one, I'm just going to get this painting, and I'm going to name it Rocket. It was the name we named our, our painting cow. And she started to look into it more and found out that they were actually really awesome animals, and they were well suited for what we were trying to do. And we just prayed about it. And sure enough, we ordered two. Um, steers named them Maverick and Goose, and then <laughs> a bull named Rocket, and they were on their way. Then there was a divorce situation, and my wife was able to get basically a fold of cows, which were four heifers, all pregnant, four females, 
and then a baby cow and the sire bull. Oh my God. So we went literally overnight from having like these couple of baby cows, which are not a big deal to all of a sudden, like all these grown cows, pregnant, <laughs> babies on the way, wow. like figuring this thing out. So we watched YouTube. We talked to other guys, like I talked about, right? Lower my pride and saying, I know nothing, help me. And we figured it out. And we, we now have, uh, we went up to 20 cows eventually. We just sold five. We've got uh, two more that we're selling. And every cow that we sell, we buy a cow for a family over in Kenya through our Daddy Saturday Kenya program, oh, wow. which is life-changing for them. Sure. And it's a great way for our kids to also be involved. Hey, so what made you guys settle on, if you, if you can, so, so the Highland cow, just paint a picture for everybody because I think for, for me, it's the, it's the one with the hair in front of its eyes, right? Yes, the shaggy cow, if you will. It's got horns and has hair <laughs> in their eyes. Um, you see them everywhere now. They're very popular in terms of like just artwork or you, know, you can go to almost any store and Highlands are kind of a thing now. Um, but we just looked at those. And again, it was really from that picture that, that I saw on Chip Gaines' social media. And I just thought that they were really cool. Our neighbors all had Angus and like, we really don't, don't want to raise beef cattle. We love the idea because Highlands are raised for either hobby farms or for breeding programs. And so we're like, we can breed these and, you know, have the babies and facilitate our goal of financially contributing some passive income. That's kind of active passive back to the farm and also um, use it to further the ministry that we have in Kenya. Wow, man. Wow. So, so many things you're doing, you know, and again, you continually bring up scripture um, so easily. And I love it because look what it's doing. It, it, that scripture has woven itself. Of course, this is the Lord's divine design that it's woven itself into all your success, all these different areas. And, um, man, I think that's, um, it's incredibly inspiring. Like as the host of this podcast, I'm saying these things because I want people who are listening right now to know that this is, um, this is an option for you. When you start to turn things over to the Lord, uh, it, like things start to happen. And I, I don't want to say that that's the reason why you should. Oh, you know, I give my life to Christ because I expect things. Um, that's not really what I mean. Like, but, but, but it is what comes. And, and even if it's life change, that's the thing that comes from this life change. Man, I love it. Uh, okay, so, so let's talk about the retreat because you, you said retreats, weddings. Uh, you even said Airbnb. Like that's what you were able to do to redeem that word. I love that word to redeem that property. Dude, that's amazing too. And that's another set of, uh, of passive income, right? It is. We wanted passive income on our primary residence. And it felt like that's what God was calling us to do. It's a really neat model. Most people never use their primary home, which is their biggest investment typically to actually you know, create income for them. They just use it as obviously the appreciation or the interest they gain on it, but that's about it. And, you know, if they sell it, you know, the, it becomes an asset, but that's, that's it for most people where we said, how do we create an engine out of this that can also help us fulfill our goals to spend more time with our family to, you know, either put our kids in a private Christian school or, or choose to homeschool them, which we've done now for the last year and a half and provided incredible freedom. We've met amazing people through the process. And, you know, it just goes back to kind of looking at what God's given you. And we've had this posture of stewardship with open handedness and going, God, this is all yours. Anyways, you've given this to us. How do we steward this? the best way we can for you. And again, it's applying scripture to everything. I would say that um, you, you brought that up and this is a, maybe a weird way to think about it, but I have, I have tattoos over everything that I own. I have no physical like ink tattoos on my body, but I tattoo everything with scripture and my ministry, my home, our property, my businesses, um, you know, my, my kids, my movement. Like I have scripture on so many things because 
that's just how um, God brought that into my life. And I find that when you have scripture at the root of everything you do like that, then you are doing it unto the Lord. And it is, um, you know, with every breath that you're moving forward. And I think you brought up something else that's really important I want to hit on because a lot of people listening to this might be like, gosh, like he's doing all these things. How's he do that? I'm not perfect. Like I am far from it. There, I am, I am where I am because of the grace and mercy of, of Jesus Christ. At the same time, I've stumbled my way here. I think I'm just super persistent and I failed so many times that, you know, in those failures, God's moved me forward, but I've just always been obedient and been willing to take that step and haven't sat still. And the, the verse I often use for people that are, are stuck in kind of that moment is I say, when Moses was at the Red Sea and the Egyptians are bearing down on his back and the Israelites are complaining, saying, we should have just you know, died rather than be here. Like, why did you bring us out here? And Moses is, is complaining to God and God looks at Moses and says, Moses, stop talking and move. And he physically says, move, put your staff in the water and move. And Moses does that. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, the Red Sea part. <laughs> and it was only after the movement that God's momentum, which part of the Red Sea, then occurred. And to me, that's the way that God has worked in my life over and over and over. Was the physical move from Charleston to Nashville? Whether it's a move in my spirit, a move in my mindset, right? Moving my body, whatever it is, when I move and I move in the spirit of the Lord, I get his momentum behind me. Wow, I love when you said when when I move in my mindset because you know you say move and immediately it's like okay well I have to jump into action and jumping into action can just be the 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 renewing of your mind and uh, changing you know changing the game that way. Uh, Justin, you dropped a lot of nuggets. Uh, you dropped a lot of really really great things. I mean, we didn't even get a chance to talk about Spartan races. I mean, so so when you say you do a lot, I mean you you do do a lot, bro. So it, but but to your point, I do love the humility because that's what you find in somebody who's really truly following Jesus is that there there are a lot of highs and uh, there are a ton of lows. But it's the lows, man. Somebody told me one day they they were they were telling me they said Obi, you know, in your valleys. Do you know that if you look at a picture on the hills, you know, on the very top of the mountain, you don't really have much green there. There's not really much growth. You know, it's just the top. But in the valleys is where the growth is happening. And uh, that really that really blew my mind because I, I know there's somebody listening right now that they're like, listen, guys, I hear you guys talking about all this, you know, scripture this and Jesus this and and whatever. But uh, but I just don't see it. I don't see it in my own life happening and what I would hope is that somebody would actually give it a, give give it a chance. And what what does that look like, Justin? Okay, somebody listening right now that they're like, okay, okay. So so I I want to be an influential dad. I want to be intentional. I want to be able to, to 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 pull these Jesus nuggets that you guys are pulling out. What well, what would you say to that person like right now? Immediately that they're listening right now. They've got their earbud their their earbud in their ear, or they're listening in their car. What should they do? I think the most important thing is obviously first and foremost if they don't have a relationship with jesus christ then they need to understand that they've got a father in heaven that loves them dearly there is no fatherlessness ultimately because we all have a father in heaven who loves us we all came from an earthly father and that you know, by having a relationship with jesus christ it's how you get to the father it's how you get to heaven and so first and foremost i would say you have to have that relationship with jesus christ and if you've fallen away or you slid back it doesn't matter what you've done in the past or what you've you're currently doing he wants he's always there waiting for you wants you to come back to him and that's the first and foremost thing is that having that relationship with jesus christ secondly 
You got to read your Bible every day and be in God's word. And you got to be praying every day and having a relationship with the Lord. Um, there's a, a mentor of mine. He's a dear friend. His name is Bob Bodine. He's got a book called The Power of Who. He has a book called Two Chairs. And the book, The Two Chairs, is all about five minutes a day. You're in one chair and you invite God to sit in the other. Wow. And it's one of the most powerful things you'll ever do because every time I do it, the whole Trinity just shows up. And I really need, you know, three, but they're three in one so they can sit in one chair. And um, <laughs> we, all, we sit there and we have a conversation. And I listen for, I talk for a minute, I listen for four. So sitting for four is not sitting there in silence. It's often like, hey, Dad. I'm really struggling with this. Like I lost my temper last night, as you know, you know, I was short with my, my, my son or my wife or whatever. And I need your help seeking forgiveness. How do I do that the right way? Or I'm trying to make this big decision. What should I do here? Or I'm really not feeling into this. I need you to help me. What should I do? Or who can I be praying for? How can you use me today? Like it's those kind of conversations and I had to listen and he speaks to me, not audibly, but those conversations are critical. And I think having that kind of relationship of father, son and being in the sonship is also critical. So relationship with Christ, pray every day, read your Bible, and then teach your kids to do the same thing. I think that's the model right there. It's that simple. And if you do those things, then, you know, you're, you'll be into it. I mean, do I feel like doing it every day? No, I get up early. Some days I miss that morning time. Absolutely. But there's no zero days. That's my model. And so I read God's word in some capacity every day. I pray. That's easy every day. If you did anywhere. And, you know, I focus on my wife and my kids in some capacity every single day. And it's stacking those wins that over time and the consistency of that that gets you to a, a lifetime legacy. And then I would challenge your listeners with a couple of other things. So I would also say if you haven't written your obituary, I would highly ask you to consider doing that. What? Because you can look at the next year of your life for the next five or 10 years or set goals. And that's all great. We should all do those things. But if you write your obituary and really, really seek the Lord in it and look at the end of your life, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want to be remembered for? And this isn't saying like, I want my kids to be doctors and lawyers and all these things. It's more about who you are and who they are. And, and you know, mine is that I want to be remembered as the person who made the single greatest impact in fatherhood in the generation that I'm alive. Like that's my ultimate calling. And so every day when I wake up, I have to do something that moves me forward towards that goal can't do that in a day. I can't do that in a, in a decade, right? But over a lifetime of consistently putting that in place and following the Lord, that can happen. That's for me. What is it for you? The next one is the purpose of my life is to, and what's the one word purpose statement? And this is also critical. Mine is to connect. I'm the best connector in the world in the way God's made me. Other great connectors in the way God's made them. My wife is, is designed. She can see around corners. She designs people's lives. She designs homes. She's incredible at design. She's so good and so talented and gifted. When you understand that, that's your red thread. It carries through everything you do in life, whether it's your marriage, parenting, your career, anything. And when you're in that sweet spot of knowing what your purpose is and knowing what you're ultimately called to do, then that gives you so much freedom. And, I mean, you're, you're on a whole different trajectory. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, um, if I could add something to that is, you know, what? because the Lord's given us all gifts. And the thing is, though, is that those gifts aren't for us to kind of toot our own horns. They're for us to kind of pour out into the rest of his kids. 
And uh, man, I appreciate the fact that you said that because yes, yeah, so somebody may be listening right now and they're like, well, I'm not a good public speaker. You l- listen to you guys, you know, doing your public speaking thing. And this guy's writing a book and his wife's doing entrepreneurship. Like, man, I just work at the Dollar General and I'm just, tr- I'm just trying to make it paycheck to paycheck. And you guys are out there trying to change the world. Um, but I appreciate what you said earlier. What you said earlier is the Lord told Moses, move. There, there is something that has to be within you that says, okay, well then move, move closer to the Lord and see what he's got for you. Uh, but that move, that action, it's got to take place. Justin, you're, you're the man, bro. So, okay. So how do we find out more about you? We know about the book, but it, but if somebody right now, they were like, I, I like this dude. I like everything that's coming out of his mouth. How do I find out more about you? Well, I doubt there's anybody saying like everything that comes out of my mouth, but there may be a couple of nuggets they took away from the conversation. And it's probably like everything that's coming out of your mouth because you have an amazing voice for this podcast, by the way. Oh, and Lord. are super talented. So thank you for, for such a great my, interview. My mom I, my I would, mom is the only one that listens to the show, and she's like, Obi, everything out of your mouth was great. Th- thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's so good. And I would say this too. Colossians 3.23 says that in whatever you do, do it with all of your heart of excellence unto the Lord rather than for people, right? So that person at Dollar General then be the best person at Dollar General that you can possibly be mm. and greet everybody with a smile and be an expression of Jesus to everybody that walks in mm. and restock the shelves in a way that they've never been stocked before. <laughs> people will take notice and you will rise up and it may seem meaningless to you. It's never meaningless to God. His economy is way different than our economy. And so people need to realize that about life and about themselves. And that's why finding your purpose is so critical because if you understand what that is, then you can do that in whatever you do. As right. long as you're doing it excellence and doing it for God, then it doesn't matter, right? You can be stocking shelves at the Dollar General checking people out, or you can be an executive leading a Fortune 500 company. It doesn't matter. There's no difference in God's kingdom or economy in those two people. It's about the impact you're making and how you're serving. Um, in relation to finding me, man, we could go on forever, Obi. But finding me, uh, justinbat.com. You can go to daddysaturday.com. On LinkedIn, the easiest way, uh, at Justin Bat. And then on all social, I'm at Daddy Saturday or at the Daddy Saturday. And I'd love to connect with folks. Uh, we have a fatherhood festival occurring at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, June 10th and 11th. Your second annual. It's going to be an epic event. We've got a Dad Zone tour right now going on with All Pro Dad and um, NASCAR and the Father's Festival will be there as well, which is an interactive fun zone that you can also experience it's around the southeastern portion of the country. And um, just, man, got a lot of ways you can interact with us. Love you to come see True South Farm. If you want to come stay or see the cows. And I appreciate the time <laughs> on this podcast, brother. Man, that is awesome. Again, Justin Bad on with us right now. I, uh, I appreciate this time. I appreciate what you're doing for the future of men and male growth as we are the, um, we're supposed to be the shepherds of our families. So what you're doing is, is paramount. So thank you again for letting God move you in that direction and you saying yes. That's a big deal. So tell the wife, Heather, we said hello. Thank you again for uh, making this time for us. And Justin, I, I do want you back on the show, man. There's so much to dive into for all of us dads that are like, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to get by. And uh, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you again for the wisdom that you dropped on us today. No, thank you. Let's do it. You got it. Man, what a great conversation there with Justin Bat. Again, if you're trying to look for him, uh, the, I, I found the easiest thing to do was Justin Bat. So that's Justin, B-A-T-T dot com. And then, of course, looking for him on LinkedIn. But man, how important is that? 
for us guys to really take a moment and think about our kids and the awesome responsibility of raising the next generation. Are you doing the right job? Are you more like a dictator? I know sometimes I, I, I've got a good diet of all of it, all of it. So I would love to talk to Justin again in the future. In the meantime though, Make sure you hit that subscribe button so this way you know when these episodes pop out. Everything from New York Times bestsellers to Super Bowl champions uh, to actors like Denzel Washington. I mean, this is a blessing to host the Better Man 365 podcast. So thank you to the leadership team and everybody who runs the brand. My name is Obi Diaz. I'll catch you on the next episode.